back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. I'm Nick Jimenez. You can find me on all social media at Nick M. Jimenez. Perfect. It was so clean. It's like we're professionals doing this. <laughs> How many years? This day, today, possibly a Tuesday, we're going to be talking about minute number 142 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, this minute is going to start out with the very last minute of Part 4 Change Machine. Uh, The dialogue starts with Batman saying the enemy sees it in reference to um, this uh, mother box here. And the minute is going to end with the part five title card of All the King's Horses. Um, Very, very good wrapped up kind of minute here. I don't know if, um, I assume all the other minutes at at the end of title cards we've had, we've had good clean cuts, um, I think. I I don't know if there, no, I feel like there was one in the beginning. A lot of times they're like right in the middle. Yeah. And like we get the ending of of a part and then the, the beginning and usually the title <laughs> card like sits right. Yeah, we right get in the we get thirty seconds of just yeah fade in. But this fade one's out. good. Like it ends with part five, like the part five title card, and uh, yeah, I remember seeing when we were watching it together for the first time, seeing this movie. What a night that was! <laughs> uh, it, when we were watching that movie, man, when these title cards dropped and, you know, the scene to end and then all black and then you just hear that, that low bass and then you see the part five, I tell you, every time it was like an exhale. It was. It like really a, was. I love a title card, really. <laughs> it's just some of the best storytelling, honestly. It's just that beat that you need to just go, good, bring back an overture. I mean, yeah. come on. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. It really helps I, I, this feel like an epic. Like it, 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 yeah. yeah, that's the point. Like I, when I would read like Iliad and stuff, like that mm. was like an, a, a real adventure. That's kind of why I like gravitate towards those kind of epic storytelling and, and mythological wacko stories and whatnot for escapism, just because it feels like I am always going to be fully immersed there is no backing down from these like you you're either in it or you're all you can't kind of put it down and come back later um (laughs) but at least that's for me that's that's the way i like to consume these really long form medias Mm -hmm. yeah i I can't remember if it was part five or part six but one of these is when we finally stopped and was like all right let's take a break and we yeah and then we started to really comprehend everything we've been watching you know been waiting uh, four years for this movie to come out, and 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 so yeah, I don't know. You said Nick, you you watched all four hours. Did you guys take a break at any point? Or I'm sure. I mean, like the breaks are so clean, and like we were talking a little bit off mic about how Zack Snyder is one of the rare filmmakers that actually kind of like see some benefit to streaming, where like mm-hmm. you can pause this and like get some coffee or go to the bathroom or like talk a little bit about like. What what's you, going on? Yeah, and I think I heard of some people even watching this like a mini series where they would watch like an hour a night or whatever. Yeah, and I mean that's a really cool episode out too. You know, it was Affleck being like, "Motherfucker, we're doing this tonight, part five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, that was the other thing I was going to say. Uh, this minute has uh, has some really good uh, Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne in it. Uh, and uh, it seems like Ben Affleck's been in a lot of movies lately. There's been quite a few that have come out that he's been in. But um, uh, I was I was surprised he wasn't in Oppenheimer, seeing like his whole wow, friends yeah. and family were in that movie. <laughs> That's true. That's kind of a, a weird omission. This kind he of the gr- scene he has had a girlfriend. He was doing stuff. Come on, let him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scene kind of has Oppenheimer vibes though, because. It's like the architects, you're like, hey, like the decisions we make around this table are going to affect like the planet. So we need yeah. to make sure that we're hitting this from all angles. Really, really. And that's one of the best things that I love about Justice League. Um, you kind of get that. And I'm going to reference again Marvel and stuff because that's what mm-hmm. we have as, you know, a 10 year basis of these kind of <laughs> superhero storytellings. Right. That's mm-hmm. one of the biggest reasons why I keep finding myself going back to uh, Age of Ultron. It's because you do get roundtable conversations of big events that are about to really hit the fan and mm-hmm. for things that matter, particularly Thor, like getting that red flag, would just be like, hey, no, I got to go like this isn't cool what's happening right now and you guys are doing your own frankenstein crap like stop it you know and that's really cool so we were talking yesterday about aquaman presenting this problem that they have from a worldview it really is like that but we kind of just like get the one that's pulling the trigger is batman and how can you like not (laughs) pull that trigger when you get that gauntlet spike clad hand like coming over he's gonna be like no we're doing this you're like yep we are Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh yeah he's been he's been a bit silent um he he's he's asked some very important questions throughout this conversation as he's he's trying to figure out um what to do with the mother box or what it can do Mm -hmm. um but it's really bruce wayne or batman at the end of this scene that then says you know i've come I've I've made a decision for all of us that we're doing this, um, and and you know you can tell because we know the events of the past movie, but you can see it, you can hear it that uh, that redemption is there for him if he were to take it uh, for the death of Superman, something that he feels like he owes Clark because uh, he failed him in life. And so this, he's already, I believe he's already made up the decision, but he's been allowing the group to talk about it. Um, And I think most of them agree this is what they should do, is activate this mother box. I wonder if he's had the chance in the past to have a roundtable discussion with other people like his peers without withholding that he's already made the decision in his mind. I mean, because we get at least one sidekick down from that side. So you kind of have to think like, okay, so that may have been three voices, Batman, Robin, and an Alfred talking. And one of those voices was obviously uh, eliminated out of that group. So how was that conversation going? Like, how do you think that conversation? He was probably always outnumbered, exactly. right? Like, it's like, always who- Alfred and, and Robin telling him that, you know, you're wacko. Yeah. Hey, yeah. don't brand people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if this is like 
again, just another eye opener for all of these members. But for Bruce himself, um, being able to take a step back and hearing other voices that are on his same level, not a, a, a ward that he was trying to train in ninjutsu, <laughs> like Lego fighting. Um, and, uh, you know, like actually hearing the voices of two literal gods in front of him saying like, hey, let's outweigh this. And him being like, okay, I am God, God, man, and te- technological God, mm-hmm. messenger. Like, I'm outnumbered here. I don't know if my decision has any weight, but like I'm obviously going to be the one that makes a decision. He's he. It could be that he's well, more experienced on being a a vigilante, I guess. But he, um, yeah, it, it this could be him trying to to not act on disinformation again. Like let other people talk it out. Like this is him at therapy, right? Like <laughs> give other people a chance to speak at the table. Like take it in, comprehend what they're saying. Like let's uh let's not rush into things. Let's not. Uh, let's not treat everything as too much of a absolute certainty. Um, so he's trying. He's, he, he, we, he, I think he really is trying. Um, we'll we'll know more about it once we hear the other voice in his head, which is Alfred, which is later in this week. Um, but yeah, he's trying. He's trying. And like <laughs> they come to the conclusion of kind of organically, where they're like, "Look, like the mother box is only activated. Like this dude only started coming for us once." he was sure Superman was dead. That means Superman's the only thing that they saw as a threat. That means we have to put him back on the board. And, and so super, and so Batman is the one to kind of like spearhead, kind of be dad and the discussion be like, okay, yeah, look, there are not, there are only six of us. There are not five of us. There is no us without him. So like we have to do this. Do you think that yes. deduction from from Batman is reaching at all, or do you think that is a clear path that you know the mother box at least one was awakened, didn't call out, but death of Superman and then called out? I think yeah. I mean, I do think like because in the next minute he tells Alfred like I'm operating fully on faith here, and so I think it's sort of like uh, well a like confirmation bias where like deep down mm. that's what he wants to do. He wants to bring Superman back. For personal reasons and also yes. for world saving reasons, so he's like, "Look, see, yeah, we have to do this because, you know, the only reason that they they care came after us is because they thought Superman was dead. I was right." <laughs> so it comes from a more of a pride standpoint. Oh, I, I, maybe I think I like it. He's trying to say, "Alfred, look, I'm trying here. I'm, I'm doing the faith thing. Yeah, you got you gotta let me. You gotta let me fly." Um, <laughs> so. I was going to ask you this, Nick, and with Geek by Night, this um, this kind of organic brainstorming, um, trying to get the characters to all end on the same page. Is that with the help of other writers to kind of help write other characters, but like somehow share the same thought? Like, how do you go about writing multiple perspectives reaching the same idea without it sounding like you're just voicing all of them. Yeah. I think, I think coming, I think having a, a Trinity helps us. Like it's not just Scott, it's not just Scott and me, it's but Scott, me and Cass. And so mm-hmm. that kind of helps. And then also, you know, for whatever reason we have pretty strongly, like I never thought about this before, but I think the closest we have to a Bruce Wayne would be Lorelai Swift, our character. Mm-hmm 
who's also like a billionaire genius with like that's used to like when he's not doing this he's also being bruce wayne at wayne industries and like doing all kinds of businessman stuff so like he is kind of used to being a leader whereas like barry has never done that before yeah and you know and like i guess arthur really doesn't have a ton of i mean he's not like diana where he hasn't he didn't grow up leading armies or being like he was just kind of him and his dad on on the lighthouse right yeah Yeah. and some volco training but that's just like that's true that's true yeah but that's not again it goes back to hamlet that's not hamlet walking amongst his his army and getting the feeling of you know the morality and all that stuff. But that's yeah. how I feel M- morale, of Arthur. Morale, not morale. Anyway, I've always like, and the more I think of it, the more I think of th- that way that I that I view him is that he he seems like Richard a king III. who keeps himself down as 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 the little guy. Yeah, he's a king so who doesn't he, want to live as a king. Yeah, but he always keeps himself down there amongst the people. And lives as one of them, so that he too faces the harshness of the the cruelty of the world, um, and he tries not to beget cruelty with it, but he tries to protect those from it. And so, like, that's what I really start to enjoy about the way that they this direction of this Aquaman is that he's, yeah, he is. A, he not only does he refuse to be king, but he also like accepts trying to be among the people so that he understands what, what, what they're going through. Uh, we see that in, in Iceland village and then we see it, um, when he decides to rescue people in the villages and everything he does to help support, uh, the human race. Um, he does it because he, he empathizes now with them instead of just sympathizing. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you think about like, where do these people go when they're going to be contemplative? You know, like Batman will go, Batman and Wonder Woman will go up to like a rooftop or up in the sky or like somewhere cool where no one else could go. But like Aquaman goes to a bar with his dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and will like end up taking selfies with everybody that like comes up to him. Kind of, he, he does get that like humanistic side of, of the voice of just like everyday man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is excellent. That's like what you would hope out of your royalty-esque figures, right? Right. Yeah. He's a man of the people. But then also like he walks into any bar and he is immediately like the king of that bar. Like he isn't <laughs> really just like a, another dude, but he like he likes to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then they all have their own different background. I mean, we think of Bruce Wayne with Wallace O'Keefe from Dawn of Justice and Wally. He... Yeah, not not seeing that person is just like one of his employees that he's trying to rescue. He's, he he does he has that tangent because that is an employee of Wayne Industries, and you know he's saying, "Oh, you know, your name is Wallace. They call you Wally." But his connection is the fear of death, right? And so he, you know, with Crime Alley and everything, he's seen death take his parents away, and so he Batman's motivation has always been like, well. I have to save you because if I don't, then you die. And if you die, you're gone. Like, and that happened with Clark, it happened with his parents. And so he, Batman lives with that fear of death all the time. It's been his motivation. Diana has grown up with this knowledge and wisdom about how the way the world should work. 
And so in Wonder Woman, when she sees the reality of the Great War, she seeing these villagers of Veld and, and being like, this isn't right. This, this, I, in the book, they said they should not be living like this. Like, and so she, I mean, she's been learning the harsh reality and trying to change it um, and bring the race of man to a better understanding. Um, and so she has that wisdom and, and uh, wisdom of war as well, and which is why she is destined to become the next god of war. But yeah, she as well is like, I, in my, in my studies and in my upbringing, I was taught better. And to see that the world is not acting better, I have to change that as well. And then I think Flash, his, his whole thing has always been hope, uh, right? That's like always been kind of like, um, his color is to be kind of blue with hope. And, and so Flash has always been that kind of character, that we see here, this Barry Allen uh, wanting uh, to 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 be like Superman and to and to be good, because that's um, he's uh, what's aspiration is the word right that he aspires to be yeah. a good person and and he's he's just he just has that in his heart so um, like arguably then, his main his main thing in these movies is like he has like a little. Sisyphus and the rock thing where he lives in a state of perpetual hope where he's like, if I can do one thing big enough or crazy enough, I can rescue my dad from the underworld, you know, from, from prison, from purgatory. Mm -hmm. So like, that's what he gets up in the morning is he's like, I know someday I will be able to fix my biggest problem. My ultimate problem, which is like freeing, proving my dad's innocence. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Very yeah. good connection to that. Very good connection. I really enjoy that cyborg is pretty much just like <laughs> guy have gun will travel guy. Like sure, in this yeah. moment, <laughs> like he is just like there with like, I'm taking in all of your guys's opinions about like this technology that now I am forced to be a part of, but I don't know what it's talking about. I'm trying <laughs> to figure out what you guys are going to do with it. Like you think I'm going to press the buttons on this thing? No, uh-uh. <laughs> Has he tell, done me, the, uh, tell me where to he, point it and I'll go. Like, <laughs> has he done the ATM thing yet? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. that's kind of his first godlike yeah. action, where that's him intervening in the lives of mortals and being like, "No, actually, this is this is bullshit. I'm going to do this instead." Uh, yes, as cyborg, um, as, as cyborg. Vic Stone, he was known to be a just inherently good person with helping out his peers. Like for that. sure. Um, for sure. There was the example of the grades. In oh, cool. yeah. one of the colleges or whatever, but yes, he is. He always exudes that like help out the 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 little guy kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. even in Teen Titans too. That's just one of the best things about Cyborg, for sure. Yes, and, and well, I, I think that's what makes Cyborg the heart of the movies because he's he's actively going through that realization of self, where some of these other heroes. Um, I believe him and and, and Barry are, are are getting a grasp on the reins here, but the other ones are are kind of set. The moral compasses are set, but what makes Victor the heart of the movie is the fact that he's going through it in real time. Like he's he's kind of in this nihilistic sense in the beginning, very depressed, very much like I didn't want this. I'm not happy about it. All I wanted was my mother back. My dad brought me back. He doesn't even talk to me. And yet I'm stuck as this uh, creature. And then, but then his dad is like, oh, we have all these gifts now. And, 
you know, you can do so much for the world. And it's in that moment at the ATM, uh, Cyborg Origin, First Flight, is that he's saying, there is a lot I can do with this, but what is it that I choose to do with it? And and helping someone financially um, w- under the weight of this cruel, cruel world, um, just giving someone uh, enough money to, to, to live comfortably and to actually live um, financially. Um, he, he realizes that his instinct is to help people with these abilities, with these gifts. And so he's, he's, he's trying to get better about how he views the world and, and they are helping him. The justice league is helping him realize his, his strengths and, and, and where, um, his outlook on life. And so he, the reason he, he's going through it, I feel like it's like, okay, that's why, you know, your, your moral compass is starting to, to point the, to lead the way kind of. Because he's like the newest soul out of all of them, arguably, in the sense that he's like now cyborg. Yes. Yeah, freshly born, <laughs> freshly reborn, mm-hmm. um, and someone else will join him soon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so and and that kind of ends this this minute here as they decide that they are going to go from five to six and use the power of the mother box, activate it, activate it quickly because then, yeah, as Bruce Wayne says, once they do. Steppenwolf is going to come knocking for the mother box to to um, finish the unity, and um, we we now know that Steppenwolf really wants to do that because that's his get out of jail card, um, and so then that is how we will end part yeah. four. <laughs> and kind of to go to the uh, go back to the Oppenheimer of it, I think it was the last minute where Diana says something, or it's like Barry's like, well, we have to try, and Diana's like, no, you don't try because like as soon as we turn it on. Whether it works mm-hmm. or not, once we turn it on, Steppenwolf will know where we are or, you know, so it's kind of like you, you, we can't test this out. We either do it or we don't going back to Aquaman's, you know, binary. Yes. Yes. Uh, kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't <laughs> in, in the scenario, because they're, it, it's, you know, once you activate a Steppenwolf and then uh, they bring it up immediately, they don't, they don't wait for it to be a surprise, but we don't know what Superman will be like once he's. Uh, reincarnated so they they bring that to the table again already mm-hmm. so it's, it's just something that they're gonna have to to deal with because they said uh, we don't understand Kryptonian biology even though it may seem similar to us we don't know um, what what could happen and uh, I, I think if we think of Dawn of Justice a Kryptonian was already reincarnated and it led to doomsday <laughs> so there's an, there's another example of, of how things can go wrong you know like what if by accident we we make the next doomsday and then there is no Superman to stop it? Right. Which I don't think that's a thing, right? They, the, um, I don't know if, how many stories have brought Superman back, but there's there's no Elseworlds where Superman was brought back, uh, and it went completely uh, haywire. Yet. Yet. Nate, I don't know if that's um, something. <laughs> Earth two. Uh. Well. Uh. He's kind of. The dark side Superman. Whatever he has a whole he has a, a brutal 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 or something like that. Was Brut- like hyphen or, Al. No, br- no. Oh, 
Oh, they're saying That's like cool, Prince though. Brute L. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was Berserk or something like that. Oh, now, now I got a whole fandom after me. Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, there was that kind of sense where it was essentially being reborn with Motherbox technology to be mm-hmm. Apocalyptin and be like Berserk Superman out angry, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of like what we see in future timeline visions. But... Um, yeah it's still the same like idea that like like what zod turned into doomsday just that mindless um raw power and uh you know that whole thing but doomsday was also conditioned to hate that guy yeah 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 he he had it in his memory that he he hated superman so but it was Um, also to cite a memory so it was like yeah you beats he whispered in his ear like you have to kill superman like oh yeah okay (laughs) <laughs> so we'll see what happens when they resurrect superman but this is how we'll end it we'll end part four with the, the now title card part five all the king's horses and we will go from there unless anyone has anything else for this minute um i do just want to say batman's line at the very end of like you know there is no us without him like there's six of us not five it kind of reminds me of in the last movie where he was like if there was even a one percent chance of mm-hmm. him going, we have to treat this as an absolute. Like it really just points into like this is the world that this Bruce Wayne operates in. Like you either go all in or you don't do it at all. You cannot go like halfway with anything. Yeah, um, no compromises. No compromises. Yeah. Um, definitely mirrors that whole one percent chance in the face of Armageddon. Yeah, um, he is wearing a more of a little gray undertone. Um, if we will go back to our conversation where we had in Dawn of Justice, where he does have that absolute chance, you know, that 1% chance, mm-hmm. absolute certainty. He is uh, dressed in black and white and has a very black and white view. Now it's kind of a little bit more of a learned Batman. Oh. So he's uh, probably oh, adopting he's that more of the gray, gray outlook nice. of oh. lives, but he is still making the final decision. So it is very, um, you know, either this or that kind of thing right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in the moment of the roundtable discussion, it is supposed to be more of the uh, gray. the gray the gray side of of taking mm. in everybody's opinion, which nice. is why there's that justice is gray version. Ayo, <laughs> wow, it's all connected. All right, well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.